everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Pac-12 Podcast on the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. In this case, your conference, the Conference of Champions. I'm your host, Emily Van Buskirk, and I know we took a week off. I'm sure you guys missed the podcast deeply last week, but... Uh, Here in Northern California, we were dealing with a bit of a catastrophe in the form of another devastating fire. So last week, um, where I live in Marin, we weren't directly affected by the fire, thank goodness, but we were on alert and we were without power for about a week, um, which was pretty crazy experience. Um, So since my house didn't have power, I actually spent most of the week up north where the Kincaid fire was raging up towards Santa Rosa um, and those areas. So I went up there and was doing some disaster relief with the Red Cross, you know, bringing food to first responders and stuff like that. So uh, forgive the absence of the podcast in the name of, you know, um, fighting fires. (laughs) And I want to say a big thank you to all of the states surrounding us that sent help um, because without those troops of firefighters, we would not have survived um, the Kincaid fire. It it would have taken, you know, different cities, Windsor, Healdsburg, it, it probably would have burned them. So, um, and the community up there is so strong having to go through this just two years after, you know, the Tubbs fire and everything. Um, it was great to see people band together, but again, I can't thank first responders enough for everything they did, and I was glad to be able to help a little bit with that. So, obviously, we missed a week of you know action in the Pac-12, but we're back this week, and there is so much to talk about. But first, I want to make sure that you guys are all subscribing to the podcast wherever you listen, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or Google Play or wherever. Make sure you subscribe and download the podcast and um, feel free to rate and review it so that I can, you know, be better and bring you more of the stuff you want and less of the stuff that you don't. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12 and join in the discussion there every weekend. And if you're feeling like you want to talk even more college football, feel free to follow me on Twitter, my personal handle, which is at MLNEM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. I am always around on Twitter to talk college football day or night. It really doesn't matter. And it doesn't just have to be Pac-12. It can be the national picture, if you will, um, which is actually what I'm going to start um, this Monday podcast with. Obviously, we're going to break down the four games from the weekend, um, Utah beating Washington in in terrific fashion um, in Seattle, and then Oregon State with a big win over Arizona, who, my goodness, the Wildcats, their season has taken a precarious turn, and all of a sudden, all eyes on Sumlin as this might be the worst that they've been in a while. And I woke up, you know, to the Willie Taggart news. I kind of was worried that it might be someone that was going to be getting the axe like that. So I'm glad that, you know, he didn't, didn't, that wasn't a Pac-12 problem for, for this week. So, um, and then later in the, in the podcast episode, we'll talk about Oregon's um, statement win over USC, although a lot of people didn't see it that way. 
um, and UCLA beating Colorado, which kind of took a little bit of a backseat on the day, um, given the magnitude of the other three games. Um, so yeah, so we'll talk, you know, Monday's episode's always dedicated to wrapping up the games from the weekend, talking about key plays and moments and stuff like that. So since there's only four, I'm going to do those in the other two segments. But for right now, I wanted to talk a little bit about the national picture, because tomorrow we have the first college football playoff rankings coming out, which means everything for the Pac-12 as the Conference of Champions fights desperately to hold on to the possibility of a playoff spot. And I think this season, or this, sorry, weekend was extremely important to that discussion with, you know, both Utah and Oregon coming out of it with wins and climbing up the charts um, a little bit. Oregon stayed put in this in the new rankings that came out. They're steadfast at seven, right behind Georgia, which, you know, Georgia went up two to six. I would have put Oregon ahead of them. I mean, yes, their record's technically the same, although Oregon has one more game, but... I think Oregon is a better team, and I would have put them ahead of them, even so far as you know, questioning should they be ahead of Penn State. Now I know Penn State's been playing really well, and they're undefeated, and it's hard to put a one-loss team ahead of you know those undefeated teams. But I think it's a question that needs to be asked. And then Utah um, moved up one spot to number eight, right behind Oregon, which is funny um, after their win you know, at Washington, which was an interesting game. And I can't wait to to get more into that. The great thing about not covering a game this weekend was I got to watch all four of the Pac-12 games, um, despite being on different channels and whatnot. I had a little setup. I was down at my house in Pebble Beach, kind of detoxing after this week of, you know, fire disaster relief. And I was able to watch all four of the games. So I'm excited to break them down. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch too many other games. Um... But I did get to hear and watch a little bit of the, you know, Memphis SMU game, which was game day, big game, big win for Mike Norvell and the the Memphis squad. Um, I, I'm not surprised by that, I guess. SMU, SMU has been fun to watch, but I don't know that they were, you know, the real deal. Um, but I do like to see Sonny Dykes, former Pac-12 coach, do do well. Um, so it's good to see that they stayed in the rankings this week, you know, holding on there at 23. And they'll definitely have a chance to recover as they move forward. But I think the most fun thing to talk about um, this weekend, because we saw, you know, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, all with buys. So they all, there was no not a lot of movement there because there was no, you know, they didn't have any games. But it was fun seeing people, you know, talk about the Pac-12 and play the what-if game. You know, what if Oregon wins out and then beats Utah in the Pac-12 championship? You know, how how do they fit into that playoff picture? And the interesting thing about that is all the other teams above them will have to play each other, you know, in their championships and or at the end of their season. So Oregon has a pretty good rest of the way, whereas these other teams have to play each other and likely suffer a loss. So and then, you know, you look at a team like Clemson, strength of schedule, 41st versus Oregon's eighth. So then how do you justify putting, you know, Clemson ahead of them um, when it comes down to it? 
So, you know, LSU or Alabama will have to, you know, play in the SEC championship against Georgia probably. Um, And then Ohio State or Penn State, whoever wins on the 23rd, will have to play in the Big Ten championship. So you have a lot of possibility um, room for error for these teams going forward. And then Oregon basically gets to walk through the ashes and and possibly grab that number four spot because they went through the hard part of their schedule and survived and did well and thrived in it. So how do you not hand a team like that um, a spot and a chance to prove themselves? That is the question. We are going to look at Oregon's game later in the podcast. We're going to start off with the South and Utah beating Washington. And how did they pull off this miraculous win? We're going to take a look at that. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, frustrating game. Um, you know, there's some good football played against a really good Utah team. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't make the plays in the second half. Thought our defense did a really good job against the run. Um, Always some things to clean up tackling-wise, but Moss was a heck of a back, and I thought they, they did a solid job on him. Huntley was effective with the pass, and uh, you know they converted some of those third downs in the fourth quarter where we couldn't get off the field. So, But when you turn it over three times, get nine points off those turnovers, um, you know, you got very small chance of beating a team like this. I think that pretty much sums it up if we're talking about Washington, Utah. That's you that's Washington head coach Chris Peterson in the postgame after Utah's 33-28 win over the Huskies in Seattle, mind you, where where you you know, Washington is usually a good team at home. And they looked like it up until, you know, the second half when Utah looked a little slow at first, but it was crazy, you know. You that's the thing is everyone knows Washington's a good team, but Utah has this fight in them and in coach Winningham has even said this is his favorite team that he's coached because they fight, they fight like hell. And uh, Tyler Huntley is the most slept on, you know, quarterback in the nation, I think. Um but what a what a game for Utah. You know, they snapped their four game losing streak against Washington. They're now eight and one in the pack, you know, eight and one for the first time since 2015, which is great to see for head coach Kyle Winningham. Um, Utah held Washington to 53 yards rushing, including just one yard on the ground in the decisive second half off of eight attempts. Um, Utah has held eight of nine opponents under 100 yards rushing this season. And I think Peterson said it, you know, their game plan was X and they stuck to it. And that's really, at the end of the day, in any game, in any sport, and, and we can say this with confidence, is you go in with a plan and how well you execute that plan 
determines the outcome of the game and how disciplined you can be and all that. Um, but Utah something special. If you haven't read my article on them, I just posted one on social this weekend. I managed to interview their stadium DJ, shout out Bangarang. He's amazing. And I've spent many Saturdays at Rice Eccles. So I wrote about the environment, but I also wrote about how this team is incredibly, incredibly slept on um, and why they shouldn't be. So definitely check that out, Yard Barker. I'll post the link in the show notes. Um, but I've been doing this fun stadium series, stadium DJ series, and I, I had to include Utah because it's quite the environment. Um especially music-wise. People don't know, but Utah and Salt Lake City, they have a slept-on hip-hop scene, so you definitely have to check that out. Um, Tyler Huntley threw for 284 yards for his 18th career 200-yard passing game, and he was 19 of 24, one touchdowns, no interceptions. So I just, I don't know how you, if you don't know who Tyler Huntley is, you should now, because in, in the article I mentioned that he ranks... Um, statistically in the nation in, in several categories, but it's like the quietest thing ever. Um, and it, it's kind of a bummer because he's he's really fun to watch and um, he's just so composed and he drops just absolute dimes. It's unbelievable. And I think it's worth n- noting that the Utes were 1-12 in 12 all time against Washington entering this game. So... There was a lot on the line, a Pac-12 title appearance, possible Rose Bowl, college football playoff berth, all of that stuff was up in the air, and, and Utah, they stepped up, and, and they, did, they didn't panic, they just, they converted on third downs, you know, like Peterson said, finished 9 of 16 um, on third downs, and they had 399 total yards of offense, almost 400, not quite, so, um, but it was just like a tale of two teams, you know, they just figured out what they had to uh, do, and and they did it. So hats off to Whittingham for that, and very, very exciting um, as we move towards a Utah-Oregon possible Pac-12 championship. All right, the other game I wanted to talk about, because this team definitely does not get enough love, is Oregon State. The Beavers beat Arizona 56-38. to It was the Wildcats' fourth game in a row that they've lost, and it was just kind of disheartening. Um, it was at home for Arizona. It was homecoming, you know, desert swarm throwback uniforms. Apparently it was the smallest crowd of the season. And by the end of the game, most people had left, but you have to be concerned with Sumlin and Kevin Sumlin, what's going on there? Because Oregon State, while they are better than, than people think, how do you not get up for a game at home like that? You know, that is... You have to find a way to get your get your team up, and Khalil Tate not having the season that that we thought he would at the beginning, which is the really the really disheartening part um, for Arizona. Oregon State scored touchdowns on six of its first seven possessions, and it was just an explosion. Less than five minutes into the second half, the Beavers had a forty two nineteen lead, and it was that quick where Arizona could not stop the run on the perimeter, on the edges. You know, they just, Oregon State just got away, it got away from them. They finished, the Beavers finished with 572 yards, the most Arizona has surrendered since the season opener at Hawaii, where they gave up 596 yards. 
And the Beavers became the fourth team in a row to score more than 40 points against the Wildcats. And it was a big win. As much as we're looking at how frustrating the loss was for Arizona, I think it's important to say that it was a bigger win than it was a bad loss for the Beavers. Uh, Quarterback Jake Luton looked great, 20 of 26 for 320 yards and, and three touchdowns. Uh, two of those went to Isaiah Hodgins, who is the Pac-12's leading receiver. He had seven catches for 150 yards. Um, people are not giving Oregon State their due. And I'm going to write a story about that this week because I think that they need to be highlighted. And you can look at this game and say, oh, you know, this is a beat-up U of A team. It's not that big of a win. But every every game in the Pac-12 is a big win, you know. And anytime that you win a game and win it decisively. Oregon State, I mean, it's not easy to score 56 points um, ever. So just that kind of win, I think, matters. And now they have sole possession of second place in the Pac-12 North, which I think is incredible given that two years ago, even last year, this team was trying to rise from the ashes of so much turmoil. And I think that all the credit in the world goes to Jonathan, Jonathan Smith. He's been absolutely fantastic for this program. And we heard about that in in the podcast, you know, with Angie. And it's a real credit to what he's done and what he's trying to do for these players. So very, very fun to watch Oregon State. Now, they have a tough game coming up. They host Washington. And it's and you never know. Washington could be pissed about this Utah and come in and beat up on them. But it is home, and Oregon State has a chance to, you know, make another statement victory and, and make some people pay attention. So hats off to the Beavers. Got to love what they're doing. Um, all right, so we still have two more games to talk about, the Oregon-USC and UCLA-Colorado games in the next Last part of the podcast, we'll talk about how those games went for those teams. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. It's everything. I think it's development over time, familiarity. You know, we now have our coaching staff together for two consecutive years. You know, the involvement of the offense and the defense and special teams as well. You know, um, we've been training our guys to develop a, a mental toughness, so to speak, to be able to go on the road and be able to take on really good football teams and tough environments because it had been an issue, right? If you look at you know, the past of our football program, that's that's kind of been the tough thing. And um, there was a huge point of emphasis, and guys have been working on it, and we're starting to get some much better results. That is Oregon Ducks head coach Mario Cristobal talking about what went right for the Ducks in this road game win over USC on Saturday, 56-24 decisive victory against the Trojans. And it's something, like you heard him say, that Oregon is trying to be cultivate this road win mentality because everyone knows that Oregon can, for the most part, win at home at Autzen. It's a very comfortable environment for them. Um, but winning on the road, especially in the Pac-12, is a lot harder. So 
Oregon showed everybody that that is something that they can do. Um, and now, honestly, to me, they look pretty much untouchable with the hardest part of their you know, schedule behind them and heading into a bye this weekend. I mean, they, they ha- they're definitely in the driver's seat in control of their own destiny. They're off to a 6-0 start in the conference for the first time since 2012, which is impressive. Um, and their eight-game winning streak is the Ducks' longest since winning nine in a row in 2014. First team to start Pac-12 play 6-0 since Washington did it in 2016. And Oregon has won 11 of their last 12 games dating back to last season. So a lot of a lot of um, positive things on for the Ducks. And I think it's it's good. It's good. They needed this kind of thing so that this kind of win and and this kind of domination so that they can reemerge in the playoff picture and be this forceful team that we know that they can play. Um, I think what Cristobal, I don't, if you watch the rest of his press conference, which is on YouTube, something that Oregon did really well was, um, was turnovers and, and getting the ball back when, uh, they need it. So they now have 17 interceptions on the year and, um, they picked off three in that game, you know, against USC alone. So I think that's something that was really a difference, maker looking at USC that was one of the things that lost the game for them multiple turnovers um and then the question is is that the level of play by the Trojans or is it you know USC head coach Clay Helton with this lack of imagination on offense and kind of putting his players in 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 positions to fail um the the thing that struck me as different about this USC team is that you'd always seen guys fight for him um, as a coach, but I don't know. It looks different now. It looks like they're not doing that, and he's kind of throwing them out there to the wolves. That's that's what it a little bit looked like to me. Um, also, special teams was really an issue, obviously, <laughs> for the. For the Trojans, um, but this was Helton's opportunity to win a big game on a big stage, and and he couldn't do it. Um, USC not being able to finish drives was, you know, they got in the red zone so many times and they came away with nothing. Uh, that was truly a big, big problem for them. Um, so it was a lot about what Oregon did well, but it was also, you know, about what USC did poorly. So Oregon, like I said, um, had, goes on to, to have a bye this weekend, but USC will have to travel to play at ASU, which another Southern matchup that you can't predict really. <laughs> I think the opening line is USC's favored by one and a half, but that could change drastically as we traverse through the week. Then the last game of the weekend, um, kind of a quiet victory, but important because UCLA beating Colorado 31-14 it says something about the Bruins. You know, the fact that that they have now won three straight games after a very rocky, rocky start. Um, and, the, and the last three wins have been impressive, especially UCLA's win over Stanford, where I talked about in the podcast that DTR, Dorian Tom- Thompson-Robinson, the, the quarterback for UCLA, he looks good, cohesive. He looks... 
His movement as well, his passes are good. So, And then we keep seeing a Colorado quarterback, Steven Montez, who just can't get it together. And I don't know what has changed for him, but more interceptions, more bad plays. Um, UCLA jumped out to a lead and never, you know, never looked back. So Colorado put up their only points um, in the second quarter, and it was Montez who ran it in, but... In the air, it's just problematic for for um, the Buffs. And you really feel for them because Mel Tucker is someone you want to root for. And the culture there is so great when, when it comes to football, but they just can't put it together. And the Bruins defense played pretty well. They held the Buffs to 88 yards rushing. Montez, like we said, was only 21 of 38 for 195 yards. Um, so... UCLA bringing it with the pass rush seems like, you know, um, it seems like they've been working on that. They they had four sacks and seven tackles for a loss, so it definitely seems like that's been something they're trying to trying to get um, get going. So as, as they move down the road and play other opponents, that's going to get better. UCLA is two wins away from becoming bowl eligible for the first time under Chip Kelly. So big milestone in in the works here. Can UCLA do it? I we that remains to be seen. They do have an extra week. Um, they they will have a bye this week, but then they um, they'll play Utah, which will be a battle for the first place in the South. Um, not going to be easy for them, but it seems like these improvements over these last two games for the Bruins um, bode well for hopefully not a blowout in that game. All right, that is going to do it for the review of this week's game, the rewind, if you will. It's going to be a fun week of podcasts, so make sure you stay tuned. Got some guests coming on, someone from Utah to talk about, you know, playoff picture for them. Got someone to come talk about the problems at USC and what it means for Clay Helton. Is he in the hot seat? Will we be seeing a tarmac firing? Who knows? But my guests will probably have the answers to that. And I'm going to have another, you know, person on to talk about Oregon State because I think there needs to be more beaver love in the world. As always, make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Pac-12. And stay tuned, stay sassy, and stay locked on Pac-12.